It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to the show. Today, my guest is Peter Winnick, author, speaker, Principle of Thought Leadership Leverage, and you can find them online at thoughtleadershipleverage.com. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Andy. So, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, rather than having me go through the bio you sent me, is why don't you take a minute, introduce yourself to the audience, tell us what you do and who you do it for. Sure. So, let me, let me start with the, the who we do it for, and then we'll talk about what we do. So, the who we do it for is really, really narrow. We are a boutique consulting firm that works exclusively with authors, thought leaders, and speakers in the business space. So very narrow market, meaning uh, you know that excludes you know ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the universe. Um, but what we do for that population, which is which is as I said, a small population, is a lot. So we we sort of cover the whole gamut for those folks from strategic development to product development to implementation, sales, marketing, outsourced business development, etc. It's basically a, a full service consulting shop designed around the unique needs of, a, of an author or a thought leader or a speaker. Got it. So what is thought leadership? Because I think it's an important topic for small business owners, executives in mid-sized enterprises, salespeople even, we're going to talk about that, to understand what thought leadership is and really start incorporating it into their own marketing and sales plan. So what is thought leadership? Yeah, so let, let me um, attempt to define that by what it's not. That might be easier. So let's just break it into two. One is thought. So therefore, it needs to be thoughtful, right? Mm-hmm. So it needs to be, I think people think, or some folks think that just anything you say has relevance or, or, or is intelligent or is valid or has meaning. So don't forget the thoughtful. So what is it that you have expertise in, deep expertise in, and it could be really, really narrow in terms of an industry spo- focus, you know, maybe it's a, you, you know, the best about manufacturing ball bearings in the Midwest or something. That's That's thoughtful, right? That is expertise. Um, so one is it needs to be thoughtful. You need to have a stand. You need to have a position. Um, I would also say that you need to be recognized and acknowledged by others. So don't stand up and say, I am a guru. I am a thought leader. Um, that's sort of code for I'm a jerk, right? Let others put that, anoint you mm-hmm. with, if they so choose. And then the other piece is leader. So the leadership part is 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 really, is there something new, unique, you know, is there a different twist on what you have to say? Because we don't need the hundredth person saying the same thing over and over again. So I think when you put those two pieces together, are you thoughtful and there's something new and unique? And then the third piece, which is not up to you, are you recognized and validated and acknowledged by the community that you're trying to serve as a thought leader? So let's relate this back to I said, the business owner, the entrepreneur, somebody with an innovative new product they're bringing to market, or even somebody that's been in a market they've been serving for a while, but looking to establish themselves in a thought leadership position what how do they go about that yeah that's a good point so first off i think if we all sort of come from a place where we park our egos for a little bit which which is easier said than done and realize irregardless of who you are what you do and what you're selling whether that's a good or a service whether that's a b2b uh situation or a b2c situation to some extent, and, and in most instances, it's to a large extent, we're all being commoditized. We have competitors that have nearly identical offering solutions, pricing, et cetera. So it used to be that we would differentiate through marketing, which 
was code for I could say I'm better than you, Andy. I didn't really have to prove it, right? I, I'm, I, you know, I, I could say if you and I competed, I'm better, quicker, faster, smarter. Well, the world doesn't listen to marketing anymore, right? So what it listens to is what it wants to hear, and, and it wants to pull it down in its own on its own terms. So it's not about pushing it down through the traditional media channels. It's realizing that a buyer, whether it's B2B, B2C, whoever the case may be, is actually much smarter today than they've ever been. So I think you have to acknowledge that. So so if we start coming from that place... And the smarter being saying that they have access to information in more forms and more channels of information. Yeah, I mean, if you just think about 15 years ago when we went to buy a car, you're a smart guy, Andy, right? It, it's, it's a logical assumption to assume you're probably at least a little bit smarter than the average than the average car salesman just a little bit right <laughs> yeah you. you went into that environment and i know you so i would actually say more than a little bit right but in that environment you went to go buy a volvo or something and for some reason you are now a volvo idiot right and that just didn't feel good right now if you're going to go buy a car you're going to spend the time researching talking to your friends whatever you're going to do and you probably know exactly what you want what you're going to pay for it etc so you don't there isn't that imbalance and i would argue that you probably have deeper expertise in that product or solution, that car in this instance, than the, than the, the person selling it to you. So I think if we understand that the world has really changed that way from a sales perspective, I think that's a great thing for an entrepreneur, a salesperson, someone in a mid-sized company to take advantage of. Because I, if I'm a small business guy and I compete against IBM, I, there's no way I can outspend them. Not going to happen. Can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. But now think them. Right. I can be as smart or smarter than them. And there are many opportunities for me to showcase um, my thinking, my intellect, my unique point of view to a potential buyer and actually win the battle. I'm just changing the, the battlefield from how many people can buy, you know, airtime on the Super Bowl. OK, great. There's like, you know, very, very few large organizations raising their hand to how many people have a really interesting point of view that can be useful or provide value to a buyer. So I think if you have to you have to look at thought leadership as leveling the playing field from a competitive perspective. Um, I don't know if that answered your question because the, the, the sort of the next phase is, well, if, if that is so, what do I do with that? Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say next. You're a smart guy. You're anticipating the questions. Glad you asked that. So, you know, if, if you believe that, now what you have to do is um, in a consistent, you have to develop a process and you have to consistently get your content out to the folks that matter. So the cool thing about the world we live in today, and again, a lot of this is changing what we were all taught about marketing and B2B sales and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that's been flipped on its head. So today, it's, it's you have to constantly figure out who your buyer is and realize that we live in the age of the long tail. So don't say that my buyer are all females. That's a big population, right? If I'm in a consumer space now, we might say I I am very interested in females 35 to 40 that uh, have graduated from an Ivy League that live in the Midwest that work in the following five industries. That's interesting. Right. And then if you actually take that challenge today, it's easier to find them than it is to get sort of on a on a on a big broadcast. We can find them through. Um, interest groups that they uh, are part of. We can find them through professional associations. So figure out who you're trying to serve from a really narrow perspective and take advantage of the long tail. Find them where they are and consistently push out thoughtful content that is not salesy. Have a point of view about your industry, about your space, about your product, about your offerings, so that they're constantly 
consuming what you've got. And then when the time comes, because the problem with being a seller is we don't know when the buyer needs what you've got. So we're trying to sell to those that aren't buying. If we're constantly giving away our content, we'll know when they're ready to buy that they're going to be more interested in you than others because you've actually developed a rapport and a relationship with them, even though you may not have met them or, or spoken to them on a personal level. So let's take a step back and you use the word content just to make sure people understand that. So if you're, again, in this position, you're saying, okay, how do we develop our thought leadership platform? How do we create some sort of differentiation in the marketplace around what we believe is important uh, with the product or service that we sell? What is content? It's a great question. So so this, this, this will probably, uh, I can hear a sigh of relief from all my sales friends out there because they hear content, they hear writing. And most sales guys, if you're like me, you know, have the attention span of a gnat and, and writing is not something that, that, that they enjoy. Most folks, right? So content is any representation of your thinking, any, any format or modality that you can put that in. So traditionally, you know, a traditional example of content is, you know, like in your case, Andy, you've written a bunch of books. You've written a couple of great books. Well, that's content. Now, if I asked you how long it took you, how much effort went into it, the answer is a lot and a long, a long time, right? Um, if my starting point is zero and, and, and the baseline is write a book, that's a pretty high barrier. That's like getting up one day, 30 pounds overweight and realizing that, hmm, today's the New York City Marathon. I think I'm going to run it. Probably not a good idea, right? You would, you would sort of have to get into shape for that. So getting into shape for that from a content perspective means what can I produce consistently short, short bursts to sort of stretch my muscles, right? So it could be a 500-word article. What we're doing today is an example of content. You and I are just having a conversation, right? And hopefully it is of interest and of value to others besides you and I, because we're recording it and we'll, we'll put it out into the universe, right? Mm -hmm. um, it could be um, uh, longer form articles. It could be video interviews. It could be question and answers. It could be um, questions that you put out to your follower base or your users that uh, uh, inspire people to, to come back to you with some sort of thought. So content today is, there's so many different formats that it could be in, short form, long form, video, audio. Uh, books are still content, books still count, but they're the, you know, it's a pretty high bar. Yeah, well, I think the, the message trying to get across to people who are listening is that actually, actually sort of a low bar in terms of getting started, right? Is there's all these, all these channels you can use, so you can have a blog, every business by now probably understands the importance of having a blog on their website, having a Twitter stream, having publishing content on LinkedIn or participating in LinkedIn discussion groups. Uh, you know, there's all these Facebook, there's all these channels they can use. And as you said, the content doesn't have to be difficult to create. No, and, that, and that's exactly right. The other thing I would say is it's easy to experiment and you know, stick with what you enjoy. So, you know, I, I blog about three times a month. It's not my favorite thing, right? I prefer video. I just, I, to me, I'm, I'm more of a conversational kind of guy. So stuff like this, I enjoy a lot more than sitting down to write a blog, but I do blog, uh, short form 500 word things. And I think they're, they're fairly decent and people seem to like them, but you know, given my druthers, my, my, Format would be something more conversational, be it audio or video. So it's okay to to not have a favorite uh, medium that that's the written word. There's so many other options today, which is awesome. Yeah, and really the key point becomes that you have something, as you talked about before, something relevant to say, right? Something that yep. is people are going to identify you and your business. You know, what do you stand for? Exactly. exactly. Right? Because you have to stand for something that makes you a little bit different than other people. 
Otherwise, you're just the same as everyone else. So we'll, the first task is really, you know, how do you decide or how do you define what it is that you stand for that will then become the basis for what you create content around? That's exactly right. So any, any suggestions on how people go through that process to define what they stand for? Uh, I mean, that, that, well, that could be a philosophical question. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's, I would start on the edges of, of what you stand for and move in. So, you know, think about what is everybody else doing? And, you know, you don't want to start there. So you don't want to be contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. But if you think about what is everybody else doing? And what do you do that's just a little bit, just a little bit different, a tiny bit different? It doesn't have to be radical. And then think a little bit more about that, right? Um, I think that the, you know, the what you stand for is really about why, you know, if you were to ask your best clients, why do they believe in you? Why do they buy from you versus the competitors? That might, that might give you a sense of what you stand for. And I, and I also think each of us deep down really know it, 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 it takes a little bit of introspection and a little bit of thought to say, yeah, you know, why am I different than, than everybody else that does what I do? What, what is it that's a little bit unique about me? How do I, how do I separate myself from the pack? And the reality is like most of your listeners today, Andy, they are successful. So there's a reason they're successful. Why is that? That's really the question. Why, what makes you successful if you're living in a world where you're doing things that are very similar to a lot of other folks? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it could be something as simple as just to give an example is maybe you really believe customer service is a distinguishing and differentiating factor in your business. You know, it doesn't have to do with your product per se. So maybe some of your content that you create is around, you know, the importance of customer service. And so your customers may be finding as they come that, you know, hey, they're hearing more from you about the importance of customer service. And they start examining, you know, their alternatives when they're looking at, you know, buying a product that you are service of the type you sell. Suddenly customer service floats to the top of the list as being one of the important criteria that they should be considering. That's right. I, I also think, you know, taking a contrarian stand, as long as it's authentic and you actually believe it is kind of cool. So I remember from your, 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 your first book from zero time selling, there's a whole piece in there on sell as low as you can. Well, that's the opposite of what everybody's telling everybody else is get to the C-suite and all this other kind of stuff. And the way you illustrate that principle and the way you validate it gets people to lean in and go, wow, I haven't thought of it that way before. Let me give that a shot. That's a different, that's a different point of view. And therefore, you've separated yourself from the noise, right? So how do you become the signal in a world of noise? You know, it's, it's, it's not just saying something, but having it grounded in a belief and, and with some data and some anecdotes to support it. That's great. All right, we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back with Peter Winnick, who's sharing, us, sharing with us his secrets on how to build a thought leadership position for your business. But now, before you go for the break, though, I want to pose a hypothetical scenario for you that you're going to answer when we get back. And that scenario is you've been hired as a company, as a new sales manager. Their sales have been stagnant, a little slow. They want you to come in and really change things up. So what two things would you do in the first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? And we'll talk about that when we come back. This is Andy Paul with Peter Winnick, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, 
which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. So welcome back. My guest today is Peter Winnick. You can catch Peter online at thoughtleadershipleverage.com. So, Peter, before we left for the break, I posed a hypothetical scenario for you. You're a new manager. You have one week to really sort of create a big impact with your new employer, your sales manager coming in with a sort of stagnant sales situation. What two things would you do in the first week that would have the biggest impact? I think you've got two paths here. I'd want to understand why we're winning and why we're losing, right? So even in the worst situations I've been in from a sales perspective, there's always a glimmer of hope, right? So you've got a, a, an organization with 20 salespeople, and even if that organization is not in a great spot, there's probably at least two or three that are, that are killing it. So what are they doing differently, right? Mm-hmm. Are, is it the way they communicate? Is it the way they articulate? Is it about their relationships? Um, then the other piece I'd want to see is why are we losing, right? So oftentimes in those sort of situations, we're swimming in a sea of blame. And you really want to get to the reason. There's a reason, right? Good people don't come to work every day to lose, right? They just don't, right? People want to win. Um, if you're, if, if you're, in this case, let's say it's the, the other 18 folks in that sales group that is going out there every day and doing the right thing and working hard and they're losing, something's wrong. Either, and people don't want to hear that their kid's ugly, the product sucks, right? The, price, <laughs> the pricing model doesn't work. Um, they're, they're non-competitive. There could be something structural. Uh, you know, I could be the best sales guy in the world. Get me out there selling, you know, dial up internet services to businesses today. It's probably going to, I'm probably going to have a tough week. (laughs) Um, and I think a lot of us, particularly as business owners and small business owners and, and, and such, don't look in the mirror often enough to say, wait a minute, you know, we're living in a world where the market is moving so fast and innovation's happening at the speed of light and all that. And just because you were, you know, king of the hill a year ago, six months ago, two years ago, um, your, your tenure there is shorter and shorter. So those would be the two things I would do. What do how are we winning and how, why are we losing? Okay, good answer. So let's get back to thought leadership platform development and the individual salesperson. So why, do, why is it important for salespeople to establish their own platform? Yeah, I think it's, it's critical for salespeople too. So if you think about, let's just say you're a salesperson in a B2B environment. And think about whoever your buyer is. And by the way, you no longer live in a world where there's one buyer. There's an article in HBR last month that talks that talks about the average B2B sale now involves 5.4 buyers. So the days of it just being your golf buddy or your college roommate, those days are over. And if they're not over in your business, they're going to be. And the reason for that is the lines of demarcation from a functional perspective don't exist. Um, there's an article in the journal about three or four months ago that – the marketing side of the house in the Fortune 1000 mm-hmm. is spending more on technology than the IT folks. So that didn't exist 10 years ago. That didn't exist five years ago. So what's happening is we don't know who we're selling to often enough, right? So if you think about some sort of a, a data analytics marketing solution, well, you can make an argument that that's a sale to the, C- to the, to the marketing side or is it an IT sale? The companies don't know the answer either. So it's like we're having a meeting. Let's you know, let's 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 invite everybody. People, yeah. So I th- so I think you have to understand that 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 you're not just don't don't live in the old boys network and it's my golf buddy and all that. That may get you in the door and you've got one friend, but there's four point two others that you got to convince, right? What I would say is think about you, who who you're selling to, right? And 
think about their day, right? They're up early. They're dealing with 200 emails. They're busy. They're going from meeting to meeting to meeting. And they see on their calendar they've got some interaction with you today. It's a phone call. It's a meeting or whatever. And they think of you as sales jerk or another one of those guys, you know, the, the, the Dumbler Mifflin paper guy. Or they see you as a human being. They say, wow, Andy's coming in today. I, you know. Every time Andy comes in, I learn something from him. I enjoy our time together. He's a smart guy. Oh, yeah, I don't even remember what he sells. I mean, I probably do, but I'm more interested to see Andy because he's always insightful. He's always thoughtful. He's always bringing cutting-edge ideas to me. And yeah, 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 we'll get down to business and we'll talk price and we'll figure out solutions and all that. But but are they really, really excited to see you or are they doing that eye roll of, Oh, geez, sales guy's coming in. Here we go. Brace the desk and, you know, lock up the checkbook. And I think you just need to be honest with yourself. You know if you live in that world where more of your customers and clients are, 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 you know, smelling you as the sales guy versus are you Andy and can you help me and do you care about me and are you thoughtful and can I learn from you every time we interact? Right. And so part of the way that they do that initially is when they see you on the calendar, if they haven't met you before, they're going to go to your LinkedIn profile. Absolutely. And so on your LinkedIn profile is an opportunity for you as a salesperson to show what you think, right? That could be a value to them. So Absolutely. So how do how do salespeople go about using either their LinkedIn profile or or whatever other means are available for them to demonstrate to the customers that they've got something of value to tell them? Well, the first thing is, and it's absolutely shocking and appalling to me, how many people, male and female, when you go to their LinkedIn profile, it's, it's their match.com picture. Right. And it's like, <laughs> no, yeah. You know, beaches are great and, and, you know, cleavage is lovely and, you know, smoking cigars are cool. It's you're in the wrong place. So one is just the basics. Do you, do you, you know, you don't have to be in a suit and tie or whatever, but you know, is that, take a look at that. And is that really the image that, that, you know, would you show up in a client engagement in, in, in that costume or whatever? Um, but your, your LinkedIn profile is an opportunity. It used to just be an opportunity to sort of throw up your resume. And that and that's sort of yawn, 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 whatever. It's actually a wonderful opportunity to archive your thoughtfulness and your thinking and your thought leadership. And, and you know, I, I go to your LinkedIn profile and five other comparables. If you were a salesperson and yours just says, you know, sales rep, sales rep, sales rep, sales rep, and there are no testimonials and there are no articles you've written. And, and, and even if, you haven't started writing it yet, at a minimum, sharing things that are thoughtful that others have put. Hey, here's an article that would be relative to my clients. What are you doing and what are you contributing to sort of the community that you serve and how are you represented? And I, and I think, you know, quite frankly, look at what your competitors are doing and stack yourself up against it because that's what that's what your clients are doing, whether you know it or not. Right. And I think that's really a key point you raised is it's not about for sales guys who are listening to this or salespeople who are listening to this, it's not about necessarily creating original content. We know that's hard for people, right, that aren't writers and you're concerned. But you need to demonstrate that you're thinking and being thoughtful about the industry you serve and the customers you serve, right? I mean, if it's just, if you have nothing on your LinkedIn profile that, you know, no content that you share, no articles that you've read or that's relevant to your customers and the value that they might receive from products like yours and so on, there's none of that on your LinkedIn profile that you're sharing with your followers that hopefully are your prospects then you're just that guy that just has sales rep. Yeah, and, and you know what? And why, why do they want to talk to you at that point? Anybody can hit a share button. You read an article, you hit share, you post it to LinkedIn. The other, um, I, I think, goldmine for LinkedIn 
for folks is is not just having your profile up and all that, but join groups. I mean, again, it's the long tail. So there are industry-specific groups. There are functional-specific groups. There are technology-specific groups that you should be a member of. And, you know, start by sharing articles. Start by commenting, right? Somebody else writes a nice piece. Even just writing, hey, hey, Andy, I read your article on such and such. It really helped me today in interaction with a client. Here's how. Just start being involved in a community. It's like if you just walked into, you know, you just moved into a new neighborhood, you say hi to your neighbors, you 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 talk to people, you connect. You know, the first time I interact with you shouldn't be an ask, right? Give a little before you before you take. Right. So for salespeople, it's really important that you say, gosh, I need to budget, you know, 15 minutes a day to, you know, I should be subscribing to blogs that are relevant to customers in my industry. I should be, you know, have a list of, you know, websites and other blogs I visit regularly where I'm trying to learn more about my business, right, and my customers so I can be a better salesperson. In the course of learning and educating myself, I'm going to find things that I want to share. I'm going to share that either through my LinkedIn profile or my Twitter feed or whatever. I think you're exactly right. The, the other thing I would add to that, Andy, is do that irregardless of where they are, right? So nobody thinks of themselves as a lead. Nobody thinks of themselves as a prospect, except salespeople, right? You know, think of other people like that. Mm-hmm. So even if we are not in a buy cycle, right? So even if I know whatever, you, I'm selling and you're buying and, and we had the interaction, you said, oh, hey, Peter, you know, talk to me in May when my new fiscal year happens. Well, most salespeople, you know, put their head in the ground, put a little tickler to say, call Andy May 3rd, right? It's like, no, 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 just continue to give content. Don't ask for anything, but but just change the conversation away from buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell to if I got an email you from you, you know, let's say you told me May is when the buy season sort of opens again for you, and here we are sitting in what, July. That's an awesome opportunity for me to continue to communicate with you, you know, every couple of weeks and share some insight and thoughtfulness. Exactly. I like to say an example is, you know, you can – Use a program like uh, Yesware or one of these uh, you know email tracking programs that give you the chance to send out you know templatized emails. Yep. You could have you know ten prospects that you're nurturing that you could say, hey, you know, Mister Prospect, because you can personalize it. Do a little mail merge. Hey, I was thinking about you this morning. I read this article about you know X Y Z topic that's of importance to them. You know, do you have two minutes? You know, it's two are two points in here. I think we should discuss. Do you have time next Tuesday at nine to talk? Well, suddenly you've given a good reason, a value-based reason for them to want to engage with you again. And it's made just to check in and see how they're doing at that point in time. You know, they said May, it's January, but as you said, it's worth staying in touch. Yeah, exactly. And it's not the staying in touch of, hey, hey, it's me, can you buy something? Because everybody, people are smarter than that, right? It's, it's staying in touch. It, you know, using content is a great way to deepen and develop relationships at a thoughtful level, so... And well worth the investment of salespeople's time. So good. Well, I appreciate that. So we're going to move into a different sort of final segment of the show where I ask you some rapid-fire questions, and you can give me one-word answers, or you can elaborate more if you wish, but up to you. So you ready? Sure. I, f- I feel like there, I think there should be like a game show. Well, there's, yeah. There's no prize, though. So Ah, story of my life. First question. What's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? I think authenticity. Okay. So name one application tool that you use today for sales or sales management that you can't live without. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll start with just Dropbox because everything lives there for me. Okay, perfect. So who's your sales role model? I don't know if I have one. I mean, I, I sort of have a composite in my mind based on best in class from about 
five or six different ones. All right. Have- All right. We'll go to the next one. So what's the one book that every salesperson should read? Well, I think you go back to Dale Carnegie and you know, how to make friends and influence people. You can't go wrong with that. Okay. Your favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for a sales call? <laughs> uh it's probably the same music that I reluctantly use when I'm a, on a treadmill, which is not often enough, which is either really, really bad rap music, which may be redundant, or you know, old school heavy metal. All right. Any particular song? <laughs> no. There's actually a playlist that says bad rap music and, and you know hardcore heavy metal. <laughs> I don't even know what's in there, but it's just, yeah. It's, it's where you don't want the guy next to you on the treadmill going, what is that lunatic listening to? Yeah. He doesn't look that old. Yeah, right. 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 So what's the first sales activity you do every day? The first sales activity that I do every day, I mean, I have a, a, I don't know if I call it a ritual or a habit. I try to connect at least two people a day in my network just for the purposes of seeing how they can help one another. And it's actually the greatest sales tool ever. So I might, I might and I've done it to you, Andy, said, hey, Andy, you need to meet Fred because I think you two can help each other out. Mm-hmm. With that. So what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? It's usually about speed you know how do you how do you get them through the pipeline quicker something along those lines have them read my book yeah great so (laughs) good good setup question and last question for you so what do you do every day to improve whether in life or in work yeah so i'm a i'm a content junkie i can't get i mean i'm blessed in what i do because i get paid to be swimming in content so i'm i'm constantly reading i'm constantly watching ted talks i'm constantly just taking it in and and trying to connect the dots, right? So it's not necessarily following one piece of content verbatim, but, you know, there are just so many awesome ideas out there from so many different disciplines and domains that, you know, the more you get exposed to, the more you see that there is value or potential value or applications or things that you can do with them. Excellent. That's a lot of people actually, you know, I, I think to finish on that point, we used to live in a world where, do a good job, work for your company for 30 years, get the gold watch, and they will take care of you along the way. I think it's really critical, and, and I don't see enough sales folks doing this, individual sales professionals, that will be working for 15 different employers across the course of their career. You are your own chief learning officer, and, and take that part of your role seriously. Oh, I agree. I've written about that extensively this year. It's just spend an hour a day. You know, What are you prepared to sacrifice? Yeah. You know, are you prepared to sacrifice an hour of watching The Bachelor? in order to learn something about your business and about your craft and about your skill and your customers that will help you become more productive. Not only today, but as you said, through the rest of your career. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. My guest has been Peter Winnick. And Peter, how can people learn more about you? Uh, they can learn more about me by taking a look at uh, our site, which is thoughtleadershipleverage.com. That's probably the best place. Perfect. Or uh, you know, the shortcut would be to take a look at Twitter, and it's at Peter Winnick. Got it. That's W-I-N-I-C-K. And remember, if you want to accelerate your sales and amp up your business, then as Peter said, you have to deliberately learn something new every day that will empower you to achieve your goals. And I think we helped you with that today. So until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.